The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. and welcome to Autism Live. I'm Shannon Penrod. We're coming to you from lots of different places this morning. I don't even know where all we're coming from you this morning, but thrilled to be here with you. I think at some point, Traven, we, we have to do uh, a little clip by clip of my hair because I, I couldn't stand it anymore yesterday. I was looking like I'd stuck my finger in an electric socket. And so once again, I took out the clippers and it, it's not going well. <laughs> Just it just isn't going well when I cut my hair. I used to say that that was a sign of my mental health. If I've gone into the bathroom with a pair of scissors to cut my hair, you know I'm uh, it's, I'm not in a good place. And now I've replaced them with a, with a clipper and you can't see, but I've shaved the back of my head. It's so much cooler though. Can I just say? Uh, so, but, but I didn't do so well with the front. So there we are. My apologies for my hair. But if you've come here for my hair, your hope was probably to see crazy hair. So I guess I'm fulfilling the need, right? A, a couple of, a, I think it was earlier this year, uh, somebody was giving me a compliment and saying, you know, in my class at college where I was studying to be, uh, you know, get my degree in psychology and become a BCBA, we we study your um, your jargons of the day and we have to write little reports on them. And our favorite thing is to see how crazy your hair is on different days. And I was like, okay, <laughs> well, there we have it. Uh, if, you know, if that's what it takes, uh, I don't know, I guess. Uh, but thrilled to be here with you this morning live. And we're live on many different platforms this morning, although I don't know, the inter internet is having some sort of a meltdown of some kind this morning. Uh, so we hope that we can stay live with you on all the places that we're live. Let's talk about where that is. We are live right now on YouTube, on, uh, I, it's like, I, there's so many, I can't even think. So we're live on Twitter, Periscope. Thank you, Traven. I need the prompt. Uh, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Periscope, and our homepage, autism-live.com. We will be on all of those places live for the next hour. And then we will podcast to a lot more places, but still be available in all those places that, that we were live, right? Uh, but we podcast to iTunes, to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Ghana, Amazon Music, Audible, Deezer, and many, many more. We're saying good morning to Amanda and Laura. Thank you for being with us this morning. So uh, we're on all of those places. We want to be available to the autism community in whatever way that they find convenient. And we feel that convenient as much as we can needs to be free of cost to the viewer. So that sort of dictates where we are. Good morning, Jacinda. And hi, Nita. Uh, so we try to be places that are free. 
if you're looking at this list and you're like, well, Shannon, you're not in this place and, and uh, that's where I get my podcast, please let us know. And we will definitely check it out. Traven is so superior at this and doing such a bang up job. We really appreciate him. Um, but I want to encourage you, we don't spend money on advertising. It's just not what we do. We've been on the air now for over nine years, but we don't, you know, we're not, we're, that's not where we're throwing dollars. You know what I'm saying? There's no dollars to throw. So we encourage you to like us, uh, to invite other people, do a watch party on Facebook, like us on Facebook, follow us, follow, uh, subscribe to us on YouTube, whatever, whatever way is convenient for you. But like, for instance, if you're listening to us on iTunes, please write a review for us. I can't even tell you the, the way the algorithm works. If you write a review, it so many more people get to see it. Um, because it bumps us up on the list of podcasts. And so instead of being on page 10, maybe we're on page two. And so it's easier for people who need to find us to find us. So help us out, do whatever you can, um, tell a friend, uh, or share us, like us, you know, help us to grassroots this. Cause that's really what we've been about for nine years. And we, we've built quite a substantial audience, but you and I both know that there are people that need help out there that have not yet found us. So, um, okay. So thrilled that you guys are here. I see a comment from somebody we're going to address in just a second, but, um, I want to remind you that you can write in and people are writing in right now. It's easiest if you write in on Facebook, YouTube, uh, Twitter, or Periscope, but we do also have a chat that's available on our homepage, autism-live.com. And, uh, I, I, it's not as immediate right now as in this format as the other four. So um, thrilled that we have it and you can leave comments there. I especially like that when you're leaving a question for Dr. Grambichet, because then before we start the week, I go there and I, I know that there are questions for her there. But otherwise, you know, write into us live now. Um, and if you're watching us recorded, I, I think it's a good place to do it on autism-live.com because it archives them in a better way. So uh, we we got a big show for you this morning. And I, I, I got I just got to address this comment. Somebody just said, my son gave me a concussion on the 27th. And so we, uh, you know, we're going to get to jargon in just a second here, but I, I want to stop everything for just a second and address this because, um, you know, that's, that's epic, right? Um, it's there are certain things that happen that we go, oh, okay, well, that's you know that's hard or that's inconvenient. But when somebody gets hurt, we got to stop everything, right? And we got to reevaluate. And we got to get help, and we have to get support, right? So I, I'm lovingly putting my arms around this mom because that had to have been a really hard day. It's I don't know if people who don't have special needs kids can even begin to understand how complex something like that is because we love our children. We do not love being hit and nobody likes to be injured. And um, I, I talk frequently on this show about how easy it is to get upside down as a parent. I know that sometimes we don't, it's hard for us to be forthcoming about when our children hurt us because we've seen the look in people's eyes when they look at our children differently. And they look at them like they're monsters and we don't want that. And sometimes we blame ourselves when we get hit. 
it's a very upside down thing. I want to encourage you. You've got to get help and you got to get help today. I don't know which city you're in. I don't know which state you're in. I don't even know what country you're in, but there's got to be somebody. And if you want to message me privately, we can help you to work together to find what, what kind of resources are available for you and for your child. Because here's what I know. I don't think that our children have the capacity to want to hurt us. That doesn't mean that they can't, right? And if somebody, you know, all behavior is communication. And if something was going on to the point where he gave you a concussion, it tells me that he has a need to communicate something and he doesn't know how to communicate it. And until we get that under control, someone's going to get hurt and it might even be him. So and we certainly can't afford to have you be hurt, right? It's never okay for people to be hurt. And there is help and there is support. It's dicey, right? Because if you go to the wrong person, we see what happens sometimes, right? And there's some very sad stories. But um, I see that you are uh, writing that you are in New York. Okay, so I know that there's support services in New York. Um, and I don't know if you have a caseworker. I don't know uh, if you already have a network of people that you can go to. But if you don't, I want you to write to me um, offline, s.penrod at autism-live.com um, so that we can help you to find some resources. Because when it gets to that point, we just got to stop everything. You know, there's a whole lot of things that we want our kids to learn. But when we have something like this happen, we go, oh, that, there was the agenda. Stop. Just like I did with the show today. We had an agenda. We stopped. Um, okay. Uh, okay. I see that you are contacting some people, but if you need to talk this through, let me know. It's a hard thing. It's a hard thing. And I want to commend you for speaking up because I guarantee you there's somebody else that's listening today that needed to hear that too. It's not your fault. You didn't do anything wrong. And it's not your child's fault either, but we need to deal with the issue, right? Uh, much, much love to you. Okay. Now, we did talk about the fact that uh, on Thursdays, when we have time, we, we like to kind of start the show off with our little warm-up that we do the jargon of the day. This is when we take on one word, one phrase, one acronym. We try to figure out what in the hey, nani, nani are those experts talking about and why they have to use this kind of language. Um, I do want to say... Uh, before we get to this, I, I sort of, uh, I left out my, my little disclaimer that we have a lot of experts on the show. I'm not one of them. I'm not an expert in the field of autism and I don't even want to pretend like I am. I am a parent and, um, I, I care so deeply about individuals on the autism spectrum and this show is meant to help and support the autism community, which starts with individuals who are on the autism spectrum. And, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day and I said, you know, my son was diagnosed uh, with ASD at the age of two and a half. And he's now about to be an adult and he's 17. And if I can't, I know that sometimes parents are annoying to folks who are on the autism spectrum, because let's face it, there's a lot of things we don't get which is why we do a show and we have guests and we have people come in and talk about things. But I don't want to deny that parents, we have such a love for our children and for the community in which they are going to be a part of. And that is part and parcel of why I do this show, because I think as a community, we have to acknowledge that, that the beating heart of our community are individuals who are on the autism spectrum and we have to listen to them. 
And we have to support them in having their own voice to say what they need and what they want. Um, I can't, I can't, I can't come from any other place about that. How could I? Because of course I want that for my son. But I know what it's like as a parent when your child doesn't have a voice early on, and maybe not ever, um, that we have to speak up for our kiddos and that we love these individuals with so much heart. So I always say that this show is for the whole autism community, that beating heart of folks on the spectrum and everyone who loves them. And sometimes that's a parent and sometimes that's a teacher and sometimes it's a grandparent and sometimes it's a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a husband or a wife or a cousin or an uncle. Um, but I want to be inclusive of all those people in this community and work towards one purpose, that we create a world in which individuals who are on the autism spectrum have the respect and dignity and support and rights that and the living rights, not just the talking about the rights, but the rights to do all the things that they want to do. So that's where I'm coming from. But I'm a parent and I don't mean to make that sound like I'm a lowly parent. But it does mean that my credential only goes so far. I'm not trying to pretend to be an autism expert, not trying to pretend to be um, a BCBA. I'm just somebody who cares. So that's that's why I'm here. But having said that, I have hosted shows about autism for a long time, and I have an opinion. <laughs> Everybody's so sick of my opinion. But I'm here, and I'm still talking. And, and so if you have a question for me, that's fine. But I do want to give the disclaimer, not an expert. Okay, but let's talk about the jargon, because if you're not an expert and people start using the jargon and you're like, what? Uh, so it drives me crazy. Okay, so earlier in the week, our jargon was expressive language. And now, of course, it's twin, uh, you know, it's, it's partner in crime, receptive language. And this is an oldie but a goodie that we revisit from time to time. So let's take a look at what, first we give you the actual definition. I attempt to make fun of it because that's who I am. And if I don't understand it, I want to make fun of it. And then we move on to a working definition, which hopefully will help you. I always say, you know, my goal every day is, can I help somebody save five minutes and $5? Can I lift them up to feel like they can? And if I can do those things, then I feel like I was good that I showed up, right? So will knowing what this term means save you five minutes and $5? And I believe yes. So let's take a look. Receptive language. Our actual de definition is the process of attending to communication, spoken or nonvocal, comprehending the communication, and being able to react appropriately within a specified time parameter, even when what is being convey conveyed contains multiple facets. Man, 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 doesn't that sound like a whole bunch of fun? Sounds very rigid to me. So let's move on to our working definition of receptive language. It's the child or the individual's ability to understand what is being said to them. And let's remember that um, what is being said to you isn't always vocal, right? We talked about this the other day when we talked about expressive language, that you know, a large percentage of communication is non-vocal. And I'm talking about in the neurotypical world. Um, I'm talking about in any, in any communication, right? There's a lot of communication that happens that is not vocal. Uh, as I'm a former teacher. And, you know, sometimes if, you know, if I gave an assignment to my class uh, and everybody's working, but there's one student who isn't working, right? And if I were to speak to that student 
and say to them, you know, do your work or something like that, that could potentially be disruptive to the other students. So we all get, we perfect the eyebrow and the look, <laughs> teacher look where it's like, mm. you know, and that's, uh, that is a form of, uh, it's actually a form of verbal communication, but it's not vocal communication, right? But I don't know about you, some of us have, are stronger in this than others. And, and I would say, if we think about it, expressive is everything that goes that way. If I'm trying to express something to you and, I'm, and I say, stop, right? It's anything that goes that way, which could be my hand, but it's me, it, it's coming from me to you communication. Receptive is my ability to take it in. So if you say to me, stop, do I understand what stop means? If you just put out your hand, do I understand what that means? That that also means stop, right? Most of us have one that's higher than the other. And I, I, will, I will let you guess which one is higher for me. Um, <laughs> I, my receptive is uh, so much uh, weaker than my expressive. I can't stand it when I'm driving my car into like a, a parking event where there's no clear defined lines and they always have some person in an orange vest and they're like doing this and they're, you know, they're going like this. I can never understand what they're saying. I always have to roll down the window and go, do you want me to go that way? I can't, I don't understand. I've always said that I want to learn, uh, you know, special ops, they have that whole language and they go, you know, this and that. I always want to learn it, but I know that the whole world doesn't know it. Right. But I don't, I, I, it's so frustrating to me and I feel like they might as well be speaking Swahili. I don't understand. And a lot of times I got to say, those people think they're being really clear and they're like this, well, I don't know what that means. And I get very frustrated and the window goes down and everyone in the car goes, Oh no, she's going to do. And I'm like, what are you saying? Cause I can't get it through the hand gestures. Now, if somebody is very clear and they're doing this, you know, then I know I'm supposed to go that direction. Sometimes I still want to clarify, <laughs> but the clearer they are, the more. But think about if you don't understand those kinds of signals, how much harder it is for, for you in a classroom, right? I was always very tuned in in classrooms to the kids who didn't get these things because I because I understood it, Right. A lot of times what we do, uh, we can shore this up in kids. We can teach them how to learn these things, but we can also give them workarounds. Uh, one of the things that I was taught early as a child is to uh, learn through example, to imitate. So the teacher might say, you know, like, let's do this or whatever. And I wouldn't understand what it was, but I would look to the left and look to the right and go, oh, they're all opening up their books. So I guess she meant open up your books, Right. Um, and we can teach these things to our kids. It is very important that you have some ability to have receptive language. Otherwise, you won't understand what's happening. I will tell you, too, there's a whole area in here that sometime I want to devote a whole show to. It's just not talked about very much, but it's phonemic awareness. I know people, I, I, Traven, you got to remind me, we got to put this into jargon at some point. Phonemic awareness. It's your ability, like kids, they take kids for hearing tests all the time to test them to see because they don't react. The teacher says, you know, uh, we're going to put on our shoes right now. Right. And the, and a bunch of kids go and put on their shoes and the one kid doesn't. Right. 
And sometimes it's that the processing speed is a little bit slow. So they're kind of playing it back in their head. And, and sometimes there's a phonemic awareness that needs to be strengthened because they can't hear diphthongs and triphthongs. So for instance, the word hour, it's, it's, it's two vowel sounds, a, u, before, er, right? So uh, th this is phonemic awareness, being able to hear hour and code it to understand and it's hard with our because our can be an hour on a clock or it can be our possessive. That's a lot to work through for a little brain. And some kiddos can't hear the distinctions before, but between the diphthongs and the triphthongs. I got to tell you, we talk about skills on the show. Kill, skills has a whole set of lessons to teach your kids phonemic awareness. It's sort of hidden in the academic curriculum. And I always say to people, if you're looking for gold, it's right there in the academic curriculum. Uh, and it doesn't get talked about much. Sometime I want to do a whole show about it. But if you have trouble distinguishing phonemes from each other, if they all sort of sound alike, you are going to have a problem with receptive language. I, I love Carly Fleischman, who a uh, very famous young woman on the autism spectrum who did not show any signs of receptive language or expressive language. And, you know, by the time she was 13, her family had just resigned them to the, themselves to the fact that she was locked inside her body and that they would never be able to communicate with her. And then she took the computer from her care worker and typed my teeth hurt. They, they didn't even know she knew how to, how to spell that she showed no awareness of the letter A and she typed teeth hurt, please help or, or something to that akin to that. And now, you know, I mean, Google her when she interviews, she uses a, an assistive communication device, but Google her um, interview with Channing Tatum. Okay. Uh, she's a much better interview than I am. I am she, compelling, amazing, right? Um, but she talks about now the fact that everything was garbled sound. She couldn't decode it because her brain was hearing sounds and couldn't get them into chunks. And now she can. Um, okay. Uh, we've got a great guest who's going to be with us. And I see that we've got a question and there's more about hitting um, but I want to get to, I, don't go anywhere. I'm going to get back to you. I promise, promise, promise. Um, but, uh, I want to, I, I want to make sure, cause we have a guest who's amazing, who's here with us. So I want to finish up this and then we will get there. Uh, hello, tall dude. Uh, so in any case, receptive language, something that you can work on, something that can get stronger, even if it isn't your area of strength, but super important. And a lot of times in your IEP, when they test your child at school, they're going to talk to you about expressive and receptive language. It's important. It's not the whole game, but it's very, very, very important. Okay. And a lot of times when our kids don't have expressive language, people assume that there's no receptive and often they are very wrong. Uh, often our kids who are not able to be vocal are hearing things, taking it in and receiving information. The first time that I knew for sure that my son was, uh, we took him to, uh, it was very uncharacteristic for us, but we went to SeaWorld on a little mini two-day vacation. And it was just, it was really hard. 
and and it just didn't seem like he was getting any of it. And we went to see the dolphin show and I was so excited about the dolphin show. He loved fish and he turned, the, the dolphin show was happening over here and he turned to the side and was like, you know, playing with like a thread in his hand and was not watching the dolphin show at all. And at one point they did a thing with the dolphins and, and they asked the dolphins a question and the dolphins did this to shake their heads. No. And um, my son, again, turned to the side and he's doing the same movement. And I said to my husband, is that, is he mimicking the, the dolphins? And my husband was like, no, he's not even looking at the dolphins. Okay. And then, so my, this dolphin stopped doing it. My son stops doing it. 10 minutes later in the show, the dolphins do the thing again. I look at my son, he's doing the thing, not looking at the dolphins. He's sitting this way. At, and this is when we began to realize there was a visual problem and that his peripheral vision was better than his dead on vision and that he was picking it up. That's receptive language. He's picking that up. The stuff that were happening, he understood that the, the dolphins were responding and he was imitating. Big moment. Uh, okay, moving on. We always have a question of the day. Don't underestimate is the thing I want you to know. That like just because someone isn't saying something doesn't mean they don't have something to say and that they're not hearing. Okay. Uh, so here's our question of the day. Who would you love to talk to? If you watch this show, I think you can guess who I would say. I want to talk to Oprah. Uh, Oprah, 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 Oprah. Uh, <laughs> I, I love me some Oprah. Oprah has been an inspiration to me forever on so many different platforms. And I would love to talk to Oprah. Now, uh, you know, if we're talking, we didn't put the codicil on this about uh, living or dead. If, if we could talk to anyone living or dead, well, I certainly would want to talk to my parents. But if we're talking about people living, yes, I would like to talk to Oprah. Oprah, just letting you know. Uh, and I don't even know what I would talk about, but I would make a list and it would be fabulous. And I hope to meet Oprah at some point. I always say the person who introduces me to Oprah, you know, that's it. Like that's, that's going to be my favorite person aside from my son for the rest of my life. So who do you want to talk to? Who would you love to talk to? Uh, we have kidded before on the show on April Fool's Day that we were going to have Oprah on the show. And it was April Fool's Day. And people to this day go, it's so great that you interviewed Oprah. I did not interview Oprah. It was an April Fool's joke. Uh, I would love to say that I interviewed Oprah. Maybe we'll reach out to Oprah. I think we have before, but maybe we should do that again, Traven. Uh, that would be lovely. But who do you want to talk to? It's not all about me. Who do you want to talk to? Uh, you probably can. Uh, you know, there was a time when who I really wanted to talk to was Temple Grandin, and now I consider Temple a friend. So who do you want to talk to? You probably, probably can. Okay, moving on uh, to our topic of the week. Our topic is using your voice. Your voice is so unique and so special, and you have a story to tell, and it's important that you use your voice to get what you need and to share your story. So we're talking about that this week. Now, our guest today, and I believe that she's already here with us, um, an amazing mom who is using her voice. She uh, is a blogger and has a blog behind his eyes. We are welcoming to the show for the very first time. Uh, well, that's sort of true, sort of not. Uh, but Kirsten, and am I saying it right? Is it Kirsten? Yes. Yes. Okay. Kirsten Hunter is here with us. <laughs> Like an ear. Okay, fabulous. Yeah. So, 
Uh, so thrilled to have you here with me us. And too. it's so nice to meet you in person. Yeah. Um, so this is okay. wonderful. So Kirsten, tell our viewers a little bit about you and why you decided to write a blog called Behind His Eyes. Well, uh, I needed an outlet for him. I don't feel like he was understood. So, sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. I mean, you know, we the part of using your voice is telling all parts of it. And, and if we aren't yeah. emotional about it, I don't, I don't know what we are. Right. Oh yeah. Not a hundred percent callous, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> but. Um, and when you say talking about him, yeah. uh, I don't want to, who are we talking about? Quentin. And you, you tell what you want to tell. Oh, yeah. so um, Quentin is, my son, he is uh, wonderful, amazing, um, so high strung, <laughs> and um, he just needs that um, that voice, that someone to speak for him. He's so smart and intellectual, and he taught me how to be a parent. Like, I felt like I was just this wonderful parent, you know, because my firstborn is neurotypical. And then <laughs> here's Quentin, here's your curveball. And um, it just, uh, it he just makes you want to be better. Like when you're around him, like you just, you're just 100% focused on him, not just because safety reasons or whatever, but because I mean, he's just so entertaining and um, he's very affectionate, you know, and that's something that didn't happen for a long time. So hugs and kisses and, you know, cuddling and he used to be very sensory overload. So life had to to that. So he was quiet space, you know, tents, you know, loads of paint and Play-Doh and, you know, um, like my, my, my house is a kindergarten uh, classroom pretty much. So um, his whole, you know, the whole blog is really just about adapting your life to them because I feel like society is 100%. They need to adapt to us, you know, like, there's a lot and of that attitude, fair because, right? You know, and it, I see it a lot with more with um, adults who are on the spectrum. So I want to be prepared for that. I don't want, and my son is not going to be, you know, left to the side because, hey, you're 18. Good job. Like you made it. Like, no, like this is going to continue. So I want this to be like his life for him. It's all through his eyes because he can't tell me anything but when I look at him he says so much you know he's he's one worded now um one to two two worded mimic scripts you know echolalia all right. that you know and all that's um, a good sign and I and I accept it and I love it and I'm like keep going and like we're praised like nonstop every day you know I think you talked about it yesterday, like going against your better instincts. 
like yeah. why you know praising me not mediocre but like simple milestones like patting your hands dry like who thought that you know that would be such an amazing accomplishment but it's like well yeah he figured out okay after I wash my hands now I gotta dry it right yeah. like I my hands can't be wet that took months for him to be like okay I can pat my hands dry now or um now he's getting dressed on his own which is like crazy to even think of but I mean good ABA you know yeah. <laughs> you get that good ABA and you stay and with then- it and um, I think having the blog also helps mapping out me as a parent, being able to structure myself for him because it's my job now. So yeah. it's not just put a little post-it note, you know, here. It's like I have a command board and, you know, now I have the blog, which, you know, being able to share with the outside world is nice because considering COVID has kept us really isolated. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about that. Let's yeah. talk, a little, let's talk a little bit about COVID because I know, you know, one of your missions is maintaining uh, what's and figuring out the way to do this during COVID. It's something that you yeah. write about. It's something you, I think you're amazing what you've been able to do, but it's not easy, right? No. For, for, for people that are watching, what do you think, you know, you said writing the blog, but what do you think has, else has helped you to get to this progress and to maintain during COVID? How are you keeping the wheels on, Kirsten? Primarily, it's um, really getting the school involved um, and speaking up. They're amazing, super hands-on if they could be more, but they can't do, you know, due to restrictions, um, research, like I found your guy, you know, uh, autism live during COVID. And it was like, Oh, I have a question. I can ask this question. You know, like I don't have to wait next week to hear from the BT, you know, or it's like, we have an issue now, like, let's just ask it now. So it's about speaking up. Like my mom says, uh, answer a question with the question. So <laughs> there's always going to be a follow-up. Um, and um, having realistic expectations for him. Um, I know he's not going to sit for even an hour at a time in front of the screen for school. That's completely unrealistic. Attempting it, though, and trying it and saying you tried it, and then saying it doesn't work and then having to find another method. I mean, you ju- it's try, 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 trial and error. Um, I set up a classroom for him thinking this would be great. You know, he would like it. He hates it. He's like, this is school. Now I see this table and I don't okay, let's take the whiteboard away. Let's, you know, I got a, I asked the school for a chair. They gave me a chair. I have a school desk, you know, I, no. So now we're going to do it on the bed. Okay. We'll go on the bed and then, or we'll set up the big tent and we'll go do it in the tent. And, you know, I had to just realize like, don't get upset. They understand. They're not going to hold it against you that you, he's not going to want to listen to story time. 
Like, you know, he's going to want to wander off. And in the class, he yeah. might want to wander off. And then, it, and then someone might follow him, you know, as long as he's still listening to the story. So it's m mimicking the same structure that they would in school when it comes to behavior. But I don't think when it comes to the actual environment, it's, it, that doesn't work. You're uh, making it for work. Quentin. Yeah, you're making it work. You're meeting yeah. him where he I is and making it work. Yeah, and yeah. I set up like multiple workstations and realized to make my life easier, <laughs> you know, don't let, leave big stacks of paper out for him to cascade around the house, you know. Um, right. Make sure you have markers if it's not coloring you, time because. But you're also the queen um, of sensory play. Talk to us a little bit about what you guys Talk to us a little bit about what you guys do for sensory play, because this is an area that I think you're really good oh. at. What do you do for sensory play? Yeah, it's all day. Yeah, it's all day. So um, I really needed to just stop worrying about making a mess. And as long as it's structured, messes happen, it's whatever. Um, but um Markers, coloring, loads of paint. He wanted to use the kitchen table as his art canvas instead of paper. Fine. Go ahead and do it. I need to cook dinner. And it's our, you're etching in the paint. It's creative. I'm not going to, you know, stop your, your creative mind. You know, um, he just got really into those chewer pens and the like the stretchy things for for school and ot yes. and stuff uh -huh. um and they provided that to me because he kept having putting things in his mouth so he likes to feel something i tried gum doesn't work he just swallows it you know uh he doesn't like fruit snacks um, if we're outside, he would try to eat grass. So I have to follow him with bags of spinach. So he really likes spinach, okay. <laughs> but, you know, so you got it. But these are things that the school taught that they said that they were doing. Cause I would, every day I'd pick him up and say, how was our day? What did we do? You know, I have, I'm having this issue. What are we going to do? And so that, you know, they're really accommodating and providing tools and stuff. For him since he can't be there in person um which hopefully that will change i've been reading a lot lately about that changing so i'm excited yeah you're you're really so amazing such an amazing mom and doing so much i can't even imagine i mean i i gotta say i look at you and uh, i didn't have my son until way later in life and you're a young mom and you know i just marvel sometimes about how a young person can get through this as a parent just on a regular day, but with COVID, how you, I'm just impressed with how well you're juggling this and writing a blog that's a service to the entire community. Your blog, your writing is so honest and so open. Um, so I, I got to say kudos to you and I'm, I'm so Thank impressed. You. Where can people find the blog and how often do you put a new blog out? Okay, so um, I do have a website, you know, www. You can go to behindhiseyes.com. Um, 
I usually, I, I usually will do a post, like a official blog post on there once or twice a month. Um, something pretty lengthy, you know. Um, Facebook I've used a lot lately, uh, especially for like pictures and videos and stuff like that. Because I feel like there wasn't enough of that on there. And I wanted there to be more of like a faced you know, and to see his progress, because I don't know if you've seen on there, but like when it comes to music, he's so vocal yeah. about it. It's yeah, he's I know he's going to be a musician. He's, I know he's, gonna he's do so something. handsome, yeah. too. He's a cutie. He's a cutie. You like, oh, my God, he's a heartbreaker. I don't he even is. know what to do with him now. Like, it's the first thing everyone says is, oh, my God, he's so awesome. And then I know all these other moms can relate. He doesn't look autistic. <laughs> so oh. it's, you know, and of course there is no look to it, you know, right. and right. that just is our life. We didn't know. We had a little inkling and then, but then I saw him playing with kids more his age. He was always playing with kids older, but now he's in kids more his age. And then I was like, hmm, there's just a little off and if you have one little inkling that's all you need you don't don't feel ashamed don't feel embarrassed there's a reason why there's resources I mean I went to Tri-County just because that was part of our insurance and that's just you know the direction that we were pointed in and I really liked how they handled things and their outside resources, the rainbow connection. And then, um, you know, and then I come across card and then you. So it's really just about putting yourself out there. Uh, you don't have to share everything. You know, I don't share everything. There's moments that, you know, we keep to ourselves. You know, we don't videotape because we know that we're going to live with that, you know, and we want that, you know, for us. But um, I want everyone, everyone just to, and I open invitation for the autism community. Everyone needs to just speak up. Yes. Even if you yeah. work with someone, it's okay to say, hey, I just found this amazing resource. I found it helpful. Maybe you might find it helpful. You know, it's a completely impersonal way to kind of, if, yeah. if you want to get that conversation started and it's been um, I've had that a lot recently with, with a couple of people. So, it, and yeah. it's nice that you, you get that from, and you never know. You're like, Oh, well, I'm glad I'm here to help. You know, <laughs> And it is amazing. And I think that the work that you're doing is important. We want to encourage people to go look behind his eyes. So you have the website, but you also have a Facebook page. And in fact, you know, you said, you know, we don't, we don't share yeah. everything. And I, in fact, I, we're kind of, this is a little bit of a unveiling because uh, I had to ask your permission to link you to the blog because you don't really name yeah. yourself on the blog. So we, we sort of have unveiled you I here. Think it's a, <laughs> I think it's a subconscious, you know, subconscious thing, like, um, I didn't really make it about me. It, it's more like, you know, when I have the time or when he, I guess, allows me to have the time. Right. Um, 
because they're so demanding. But what five year old isn't? That's true. You know. So and I just yes, see you so, in everything that you mm-hmm. do. I see you finding the opportunity to see the things to be grateful for and the joy. And I think that that's really yeah. hard for a lot of parents. A lot of parents are in the deficit. Well, my child isn't going to do what I thought they were going to do. Um, my life isn't what I thought it was going to look like. They're in the deficit. Yeah. And and I I don't know if you have any advice yeah. for parents about how did you find, because I, I see a difference in parents when they find, like you have found, how to see your child for who they are and love them for exactly who they are. You're still helping them make progress mm-hmm. just like you would for any child, but you see who they yes. are and you love them and you take joy in that. How did you find that, Kirsten? I think you said it best. If it's not fun, then what are you doing? You have to have fun. I mean, what's the point in getting upset? It's not going to help you. It doesn't help them. They're energy absorbers. I mean, if I'm having a bad day and I haven't even, say I didn't even sleep in the same room as him, right? Because he's sleep trained now. So, but he knows, he feels it. He's going to wake up in a horrible mood. And then if I just keep playing on that, then it's never going to stop. You have to. And what I think is a lot of people I hear like the remorse because they're scared. And it's like you have to understand the reason why you're scared is because there isn't enough people in the community that are open about it, even if it's ADHD or behavior issues. Because I think somebody even, I think Dr. Doreen said that behavior and autism are for issues. So I think a lot of times all those kids who get uh, expelled, punished, you know, because they have behavior issues, it gets written off. It is obviously more than that, but a lot of people don't want to speak speak on about it and but there's a new generation coming i you know everyone is so open and i think it's just because of technology to be honest and i just want people to embrace the autism it's not anything to be feared of um it's it's actually really fun it's loud it's messy you know um sometimes a little out, out of control um but they have to figure out how to feel the world and it takes a while for that to happen. So when they're young, you just got to let them figure it out. And Quentin was, it took him, he screamed a lot. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. He, there was no attempt for, for using words. He hit a lot, you know, he was very physical, um, he, all he wanted to do was line up the boxes of food and his cars and he would draw on walls. Um, once he figured it out and we gave him different space, we gave him more outside, you know, it just, you have to literally change the world for them. It's not about them changing for you. And I think a lot of people forget that because we instinct is people should adapt to how we are because that's, Normally, that is what people do, but honestly, that's not really how it is. Um, right. So, well, you know, what I up, see is an amazing, out, you know, sorry. 
we're, no, we're having some audio issues, so I apologize for overlapping you. But what, and we're running out of time here, but what I see is an amazing mom. What I see is an amazing woman who is showing up for the community um, and showing up for, for her children. Sometime we'll have to have you come back and talk about the sibling thing, because that's a whole other uh, that's a whole other Oprah. We just keep talking about Oprah oh. today. Uh, that's a whole other. Hey, you know what else we have in common? You posted something the other day and I was like, oh, girl, uh, well, you were talking about the, the magic eraser. Wasn't it you that posted something about loving magic a magic eraser. eraser? Oh, my God. Is it, it yeah. like, I, I don't think I, I had seen the commercials for magic eraser and I was like, whatever. And I think it was four years ago that I got my first magic eraser and I wanted to do seven shows on it. Cause I was like, okay, do you people understand how good magic eraser is? It's pretty amazing. So I, I'm glad that we have that in common too, yeah. Kirsten. <laughs> we can bond over the magic. Yeah. Eraser. In uh, any case, yeah. the Shannon, blog- you know, like, yeah. You inspire me a lot, you know, and, you know, I love how you're, I'm not an expert. I just have an opinion. I'm the same. I will never tell anyone I am licensed or, you know, whatever, but, you know, life makes you learn a lot, you know, that's right. you know, that's right. more than a test would. I, so, um, <laughs> you know, my goal though is to be a BT. Um, so I, you know, you know, that'll be like the you, goal. And you, so just having to commit that time to those, to those courses that you talk about for skills. Yeah, good, good, IBT. And, yeah. and when you're ready to be a BT, I know somebody who's hiring. So let me know. Yes. Okay. Uh, yes. If anybody wants to be, be a BT, I, I, know, I know a company that's hiring. Uh, I'm talking about card card is always hiring BTs. We all, we want yeah. good people and I know, and I know you would be great. So let me know. I, I'm happy to put in a good word for you. Uh, oh, so, <laughs> yes. Uh, in any case, we, I just so admire you. And I, you said there's a new generation coming and that always makes yeah. me happy. Uh, cause yeah. I think we're part of that new generation and I, Listen, I'm I'm the I, I don't know what happened. It used to be I was one of the the middle of the road. Now I'm one of the old dogs. I'm I'm happy to retire and move over and let you get in there. Uh, hey, you know what? I'm I'll jump on that bandwagon and and help as much as I can. You know, um, but what I've been doing too is if you want and you know somebody who's in this new generation of BTS, go and put a feature on them on my Facebook. I just started doing this. Um, I think it's important to get it out there to encourage people in the same age range to say, Hey, why not? I mean, and it's, there's a need people need yes. it. So, yes. Oh um, my goodness. We need it. Yeah. We uh, do. Well, it takes a tribe. I say it takes a tribe. <laughs> I like that. I like that. It takes yeah. That's the truth. Uh, Kirsten, thank you so much for all that you do. And we're so glad that we know you now. Uh, that's very exciting. And we're telling everybody go to behind his eyes. It's behind his eyes.com or you can go yeah. and find them on Facebook and talk to Kirsten because yeah. she is a light in this community. Thank you thank so much, you. Kirsten. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.
I want to make sure that we have a second here. I, I just love chatting with her, but I want to make sure we have a second because I know there was at least one comment that I said that I wanted to get back to. Hi, my six-year-old son, almost nonverbal, has been hitting his father and any other person except his mother and friends who tries to help him or even when they say anything to him. His understanding has improved a lot, but the language has not developed uh, to date. So please advise how to overcome his hitting. Um, and again, I want to say to you, I am not an expert. I am not, um, I'm not a BCBA, um, but I, you know, I, I, I have taken the BCAT exam and passed it, the board certified autism technician, but I have not done all the other requirements besides taking the test. So I just, I have to give that disclaimer. I think you want to be working with a, uh, a BCBA on this. And I think you want to do that fairly quickly. I don't know if you already have ABA and if you want to write into me now um, and, and let me know if you do have good ABA. If you don't, it's time to really start asking for it because here's the thing. And I've heard Dr. Rampichet say this so many times. If, if we could, let's say that we took a video of what happened and if we could put captions on it, what, what would we say? What would we think the child is trying to say? Because behavior is communication. If, if he were able to talk, instead of hitting, what would he say? And you're pretty clear here that he's only hurting um, specific people, dad and anybody who tries to help him uh, whenever they say anything to him. But he's not doing it to his mother and he's not doing it to his friends. So it could be that he's saying, you know, go away from me. I don't want to do this. Or I don't like the way you ask me to do this. Or I don't like your perfume. I don't like your aftershave lotion. Like there's so many things that they could be saying. And we really got to look at that to try to figure out what is the communication here. Because every behavior has a function. Um, and it is at the at its base, it's communicating something. We we always talk about the four usual suspects, right? That we all, including our kiddos on the spectrum, do when we do things over and over, like if it's a one-off, you know, we can talk about something, but when we're doing something on a consistent basis, we're doing it for one of four reasons with an asterisk on the fifth, right? So we're doing it to get attention, we're doing it to get access to someone or something. We're doing it to get away from someone or something, or we're doing it because it feels good. Those are the four usual suspects. And by the way, it can be a blend. I can be doing it for attention and because it feels good, right? But it, it's some blend of those four things. Now, the fifth asterisk is like A-E-I-O-U and sometimes Y. The sometimes asterisk is that sometimes folks do things just for control. Because if you don't feel like you have control, I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. This is why I shaved my head last night, because I have control over that. I can't fix the world, but I can shave my head if I want to. I'm a 58-year-old woman, and no one can stop me. And there's nothing anybody can do about it. And everybody can have their feelings about it, but you know, I have control. And think about how many things you do in a day just because, you know what? I can. And when you're a kiddo, this is really rough. Doesn't matter whether you're a neurotypical kiddo or a kiddo on the spectrum, this is really rough because a lot of your world in life, you don't have control over a lot of it. And when you can't speak to say, hey, I don't like it. I mean, think about when our kids do start to speak, they don't have a filter. 
right? And sometimes kids will go, your breath is bad. The person who is leaning over them, teaching them, they'll go, oh, your breath, because the person does have bad breath and it's miserable for them. So um, if I can't say it and I want you to stop, boom. And if you go away, I, I achieved what I wanted, right? So we always want to talk about what is it that the person wants. So we go back to talking about the ABCs of behavior. There's always some, always, it's never random. There is no such thing as random behavior. And I know like there's, there's something very freeing in saying that. And if you're, if you, if you feel like you want to argue, you're like, no, I've looked at it. It's just random behavior. I want you to have somebody else look at it. Right. Cause sometimes we can't see what's right in front, but there is no random behavior. There's always the three-term contingency, the ABC of behavior. Something happens, the behavior happens, and there's a consequence, even when the consequence is that nothing changed. That's a consequence too, right? So there is always something happens, a behavior, and a consequence for you, me, our kiddos on the spectrum, the mailman, everybody, right? ABC of behavior. And so what? when somebody is hitting... When somebody's doing anything that's difficult, we want to take an ABC chart. I don't, do I have paper? Wait, I got to tear things out of a notebook. I've shown this before. We take a piece of paper. It doesn't have to be high tech, but you could do this on your phone too. But I'm just doing my origami project and I'm folding the paper into three columns. Now, it just takes that two seconds, right? And then we write across the top ABC. A is for antecedent, what happened before. B is for behavior. C is for consequence. So in the middle here, I want, you know, you to start keeping track of this. And, um, and every time you write an incident and you get to the end of that incident, you draw a line, we start the new one. So what is the behavior? Okay, he hit dad. Um, and if that's all it was, that's all you have to write. But if it's the, he, he hit him twice, he punched him in the head, describe it. Describe, what, describe who he hit and how he hit them. And then I want you to think, because it'll be fresh in your mind, what happened as a result of that? Did dad yell at him? Did dad step back and go, what, what the heck, and walk away? Um, did you and dad have an argument about what happened? What happened afterwards? Um, did he, you know, when dad walked away, did he then get to go back to coloring? Like, you can't be judgmental when you're writing the consequences because we've all done consequences where later on you look at it and go, well, I don't think that was the best thing. You can't judge that. None of us are, none of us are perfect. None of us came out of the womb being behavior experts. So you know, everybody forgive everybody, but be honest about the consequence, right? And once you've got that written in, then you go back and you be a detective. Okay, so what did happen right before? And write everything you can remember. Dad said, okay, buddy, it's time for us to do schoolwork. Well, that means putting on a demand, right? Or did uh, mom leave the room and he hit dad? Like what happened right before? You will start to see a pattern. And it will start to reveal what you'll start to have an idea of, okay, you know, was he doing that for attention? And you might notice that at two o'clock he did it for attention, but at four o'clock he did it to get access to mom. That's pretty normal too. So, but you will start to see patterns, but think about it that way. Which one of the four usual suspects was he going for? Attention, access to someone or something to get away from someone or something, or did he do it because it felt good? Now, here's the problem with hitting is that what it might start out as escape, but what we see in people is that 
when you hit somebody, um, sometimes it turns into something that just feels good. I mean, why do people box, right? Because there is something physically about your fist meeting something that takes some of the pressure off. So you got to be careful. You can't let hitting just run rampant because you will see that it starts to be maintained by other functions. And when, once we know what the function is, and if you want to, you know, take your ABC data um, and see if you can take it to your BCBA and say, make heads or tails of this. And by the way, you'll save yourself a whole bunch of time and energy if you've got your ABC data on that sheet. That's what it is. It's called ABC data to your behaviorist and go. So if we kept a log, they'll be like, what? This is great. I can already start to look and it'll save a whole lot of time and energy and money to do that. If you really don't have access to a BCBA, I, oh, we're out of time. I really want you to go on skills um, and, um, you know, you can get a 10% off if you say that you watch the show, but go on skills, skillsforautism.com. They have something called the CIFA, C-I-F-A. It's the Card Indirect Functional Assessment. And, and basically you answer a bunch of questions about a behavior and it would be better if you had your ABC data before you tried to do it. It'll be really clear. You'll answer the questions and then it gives you, it's like the, the fortune teller, right? You put the quarter in, it goes ding. And it says, it looks like based on what you've told us that the function of this behavior is attention. And here are the ways we deal with attention. Uh, and basically if somebody's doing it for attention, you know, there's an antecedent modification that we do. And then there's a consequence strategy and we try to block it so that they don't get the reinforcer and we for sure don't give attention to it. But if it's something else, we might give attention to it. So uh, if your kids enjoy hitting, why not take them to a boxing gym? That's what somebody else asked. I mean, that's a possibility, but I, I would be very wary of doing that before you have the hitting stop at home. We really, yes. I mean, I do think for our, especially for our teenage boys, you know, uh, and as I say that, I'm like, I bet it would be good for our teenage girls too to have something like drumming or hitting something to get the aggression out. But um, we have to make sure that right now he's hitting for a reason and we have to teach a better way. So we don't want to just take him to a boxing gym, gym and go here, you know, beat the, we have to teach him how to say either with a device or with sign language or with a look or a point or words. I, I, I don't, I want a break right now or, you know, dad's breath smells. Can I have somebody else? Right. I don't know what the issue is for him, but he's trying to tell you something. And especially that it's only happening with certain people. And it sounds like they're putting, it's when people put demands on him. So anyway, I, I'm so sorry. I'm so discombobulated today and I'm late for a meeting already, but I love you all. We're back tomorrow. You asked us a couple of weeks ago when we had Leah Hirschfeld on, you said, we want research about genetics and autism tomorrow. She's presenting what she's found. She's gone and gotten us a bunch of research and she's going to be with Nancy and I to talk about that. Plus, we've got a bunch of in the news and more and more and more to talk about. I adore you all. I'm sorry I'm so rushed getting off and we didn't get to all the comments. But I, the hitting stuff is really important. Please get yourself some help and support. It's, it's not good for them and it's not good for you. And it doesn't have to be. It's not a symptom of autism. That's what um, Kirsten was talking about. It's not a symptom of autism to hit. 
It doesn't have to be. We just have to change some of the things in the equation and empower you to change them and it will be easier for them. Absolutely adore you. We'll be back tomorrow. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you too. Bye-bye.